episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be reading chapters 12 through 15 in the book of Joshua. And before we begin, I wanted to start out with a quick prayer. Marvelous God, I place your children before you right now so that you may bless them. I pray that they do not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but let them delight in the law of you and meditate on your law day and night. I thank you because I know that you will uplift them as they become like a tree planted by streams of water. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, chapter 12. Kings defeated east of the Jordan. These are the kings east of the Jordan River who who had been killed by the Israelites and whose land was taken. Their territory extended from the Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon and included all the land east of the Jordan Valley. King Shahan of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, was defeated. His kingdom included Aror on the edge of the Arnon Gorge and extended from the middle of the Arnon Gorge to the Jebuk River, which serves as a border for the Ammonites. This territory included the southern half of the territory of Gilead. Sihon also controlled the Jordan Valley and regions to the east, from as far north as the Sea of Galilee to as far south as the Dead Sea, including the road to Beth Jeshemoth and southward to the slopes of Pisgah. King Og of Bashan, the last of the Raphites, lived at Ashtoroth and Edre. He ruled the territory stretching from Mount Hermon to Selica in the north and to all the Bashan in the east and westward to the borders of the kingdom of Geshur and Makkah. This territory included the northern half of Gilead as far as the boundary of King Shahan of Heshbon. Moses, the servant of the Lord and the Israelites had destroyed the people of King Shahan and King Og and Moses gave their land as a possession to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh. Kings defeated west of the Jordan. The following is a list of the kings that Joshua and the Israelite armies defeated on the west side of the Jordan, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak, which leads up to Seir. These are the kings Israel defeated. The king of Jericho, the king of Ai, near Bethel, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the king of Gezir, the king of Debir, the king of Gedar, the king of Hermah, the king of Harad, the king of Libna, the king of Adullam, the king of Makeda, the king of Bethel, the king of Tapwa, the king of Hephor, the king of Aphek, Lasharon, Madon, Hazor, Shimron, Meron, Akshaf, Tanakh, Megiddo, Kadesh, Jokneum in Carmel, the king of Dor in the town of Nephoth, Dor, the king of Goyim in Gilgal, and the king of Tirzah. 
and all 31 kings were defeated. Here in chapter 12, in, uh, in this chapter, we see um, the recounting of God's great works. In the past was a constant practice of the Israelite people. In this instance, not only did they recall the victories of their present leader, Joshua, but also those of their previous leader, Moses. These recollections of victories served both as reminders of the great works God had done and as springboards for trusting God to act on Israel's behalf in future times of difficulty as well. We can become living reminders of the great things that can be realized through God's strength. Chapter 13 The Land Yet to Be Conquered When Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, You are growing old, and much land remains to be conquered. This is the territory that remains. All the regions of the Philistines and the Geshurites, and the larger territory of the Canaanites, extending from the stream of Shehor on the border of Egypt, northward to the boundary of Ekron, it includes the territory of the five Philistine rulers of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The land of the Avites in the south also remains to be conquered in the north. The following area has not yet been conquered. All the land of the Canaanites, including Merah, stretching northward to Ephek, on the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gebelites, and all of the Lebanon mountains area to the east from Baal-Gad, below Mount Hermon to Lebo Hamath, and all the hill country from Lebanon and Mesropath Maim, including all the land of the Sidonians. I myself will drive these people out of the land ahead of the Israelites, so be sure to give this land to Israel as a special possession, just as I have commanded you. Include all this territory of Israel's possession when you divide the land among the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The land divided east of the Jordan. Half the tribe of Manasseh and the tribes of Reuben and Gad had already received their grants of land on the east side of the Jordan for Moses, the servant of the Lord, had previously assigned this land to them. Their territory extended from Orer on the edge of the Arnon Gorge to the plain beyond Medeba, as far as Debon. It also included all the towns of King Sihon of the Amorites who had resigned in Heshbon and extended as far as the borders of Ammon. It included Gilead, the territory of the kingdoms of Geshur and Makkah, all of the Mount Hermon, all of Bashan, as far as Selica, and the territory of King Og of Bashan, who had reigned in Ashtora and Edre. King Og was the last of the Raphites, for Moses had attacked them and driven them out. But the Israelites failed to drive out the people of Geshur and Makkah, so they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. An Allotment for the Tribe of Levi 
Moses did not assign any allotment of land to the tribe of Levi. Instead, as the Lord had promised them, their allotment came from the offerings burned on the altar of the Lord, the God of Israel. land given to the tribe of Reuben. Moses had assigned the following area to the clans of the tribe of Reuben. Their territory extended from Aror on the edge of the Arnon Gorge to the plain beyond Medeba. It included Heshbon and the other towns on the plain, Dibon, Bamoth Baal, Beth Balmion, Jahaz, Keramoth, Mephath, Kiriathaim, Sibma, Zerathshar, on the hill above the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshemoth. The land of Reuben also included all the towns of the plain and the entire kingdom of Shehon. Shehon was the Amorite king who had reigned in the Heshbond and was killed by Moses along with the leaders of Midian, Evi, Rechem, Zor, Hor, and Reba, princes living in the region who were allied with Shehan. The Israelites had also killed Balaam, son of Beor, who uses magic to tell the future. The Jordan River marked the western boundary for the tribe of Reuben. The towns and their surrounding villages in the area were given as a homeland to the clans of the tribe of Reuben. The land given to the tribe of Gad. Moses had assigned the following area to the clans of the tribe of Gad. Their territory included Jazer, all the towns of Gilead, and half of the land of Ammon. As far as the town of Orer, just west of Rabbah, it extended from Heshbon to Ramoth Mispeh and Betanim, and from Mahanaim to the territory of Lodabar. In the valley where Beth Haram Beth Nimrah, Sukkoth, Zaphon, and the rest of the kingdom of King Sihon of Heshbon. The western boundary ran along the Jordan River, extended as far north as the tip of the Sea of Galilee, and then turned eastward. The towns and their surrounding villages in the area were given as a homeland to the clans of the tribe of Gad. The land given to half-tribe of Manasseh. Moses had assigned the following area to the clans of half-tribe of Manasseh. Their territory extended from Mahanaim, including all of Bashan, all the former kingdom of King Og, and the sixty towns of Jair in Bashan. It also included half of Gilead and the King Og's royal cities of Ashtoreth and Edrei. All this was given to the clans of the descendants of Makir, who was Manasseh's son. These are the allotments Moses had made while he was on the plains of Moab, across the Jordan River east of Jericho, but Moses gave no allotment of land to the tribe of Levi, for the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised that he himself would be their allotment. Here in chapter 13, uh, in verse 1, we see that despite Joshua's advanced age, God placed additional challenges before him. Retirement from doing God's will is not an option. We are called to follow God's will throughout our lives until God's time for us to stop, quote-unquote, 
fighting the good fight and rest finally arrives. In uh, verses 8 through 13, um, we see that moving from south to north on the east side of the Jordan River, representative cities of the inheritances promised by Moses to Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh are listed. In the midst of the list, however, a lack of faithfulness is indicated. Israel failed to trust God sufficiently to drive out the Geshurites and the Makathites. Even though we are tempted to blame God when things don't turn out the way we hoped, we should look first at where our faith has failed rather than at where we think God has failed. In, uh, and finally, in verses 15 through 32, here um, we see that um, so that no one so that no one could mistakenly believe that God did not give the tribes east of the Jordan inheritance equal to that of the tribes living in the promised land. A detailed listing of the territories granted to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh is offered here. Even though these tribes were physically separated from their fellow Israelites west of the Jordan, they were not to be separated spiritually. In discouraging times when we only see problems, it can be helpful to make a detailed list of what God has provided for each of us. As we become aware of our many gifts from God, it becomes more and more difficult to be disheartened over temporary inconveniences. The God who provided the blessings of yesterday is there for us today. Chapter 14 the land divided west of the Jordan. The remaining tribes of Israel received land in Canaan as allotted by Eleazar, the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the tribal leaders. These nine and a half tribes received their grants of land by means of sacred lots in accordance with the Lord's command through Moses. Moses had already given a grant of land to the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River, but he had given the Levites no such allotment. The descendants of Joseph had become two separate tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the Levites were given no land at all, only two towns to live in with surrounding pasture lands for the livestock and all their possessions. So the land was distributed in strict accordance with the Lord's commands to Moses. Caleb requests his land. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me whenever, when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. 
For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, The land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land, and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and all as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on the journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord and God, the God of Israel, and the land, and had rest from war. So here in chapter 14, we see that the leaders of Israel did not forget God's command given by Moses, but were obedient to it, resulting in the total and proper apportionment of promise of the promised land. As it was for the Levites who settled on the east side of the Jordan, so it was also for those Levites who served God in the promised land. They received no specific territory for an inheritance. God himself was their inheritance. God, however, did not leave them homeless to roam the countryside, but gave them cities in which to live and pasture lands to manage. What a great reminder to us as we compare ourselves with others. When we focus on what we have or don't have, we often forget that our greatest inheritance is God. Advanced physical age did not deter Caleb from seeking the inheritance promised to him by God as a reward for his faith when he served under Moses as a spy in the promised land. Age alone does not make a person feel or act old. In fact, Caleb willingly sought to enter into battle against some of the more powerful armies that inhabited the land. Because he trusted God fully, Caleb succeeded in securing his promised inheritance. We need to continue to realize that in our own lives, if God wants to grant us victory over any problem we encounter, that victory is already secured. Chapter 15 The Land Given to the Tribe of Judah The allotment for the clans of the tribe of Judah reached southward to the border of Adam, as far south as the wilderness of Zin. The southern boundary began at the south bay of the Dead Sea, ran south of the Scorpion Pass into the wilderness of Zin, and then went from Kadesh Barnea to Hezron. Then it went up to Adar, where it turned toward Karka from where it passed to Asmon until it finally reached the brook of Egypt, which it followed to the Mediterranean Sea. This was their southern boundary. 
The eastern boundary extended along the Dead Sea to the mouth of the Jordan River. The northern boundary began at the bay where the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea, went up from there to Beth Haglah, then proceeded north of Beth Arab to the Stone of Bohan. From that point, it went through the Valley of Accor to the Beer, turning north toward Gilgal, which is across from the slopes of Edumim on the south side of the valley. From there, the boundary extended to the springs at En Shemesh and on to En Rogal. The boundary then passed through the valley of Ben Hinnom along the southern slopes of the Jebusites, where the city of Jerusalem is located. Then it went west to the top of the mountain above the valley of Hinnom and on up to the northern end of the valley of Raphaim. From there, the boundary extended from the top of the mountain to the spring at the waters of Nephtoah. And from there, the towns of Mount Ephron, then it turned toward Balaah. The boundary circled west of Balaah to Mount Seir, passed along to the town of Kesalon on the northern slope of Mount Jerim, and went down the Beth Shemesh and on to Timnah. The boundary then proceeded to the slope of the hill north of Ekron, where it turned toward Shikran and Mount Balah. It passed Jebneel and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. The western boundary was the shoreline of the Mediterranean Sea. These are the boundaries for the clans of the tribe of Judah. The land given to Caleb. The Lord commanded Joshua to assign some of the Judah's territory to Caleb, son of Jephunneh. So Caleb was given the town of Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, which had been named after Anak's ancestor. Caleb drove out the three groups of Anakites, the descendants of Sheshai, Achiman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. From here, from there, he went to the he went to fight against the people living in the town of Debir. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksah in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, the son of Caleb's brother, Kenez, was the one who conquered it. So Aksah became Othniel's wife. When Aksah married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What's the matter? She said, Give me another gift. You have already given me land to, in the Negev. Now please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. The towns allotted to Judah. This was the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Judah. Here in this uh, in this section, uh, it lists out all the lands that uh, that were allotted to Judah. I'm not going to go and go on and read them all. Um, you can read them yourself. It's just a long list of uh, cities and towns. Um, so here in chapter 15. Um, we see that of all the tribes who received an inheritance, the greater amount of information concerning any tribe's inheritance was recorded for Judah. The importance of the tribe of Judah may account for this phenomenon. Judah was chosen to be the son from whom future kings of Israel 
would arise and through whose lineage the Messiah would be born. Merely being part of such an important tribe, however, did not guarantee either faith or success. Despite God's promise of victory to those who obeyed Him fully, some of the tribe of Judah apparently lacked sufficient faith in God to oust the inhabitants of, Judah, of Jerusalem. Today, we should consider what areas of our lives are inhabited by thoughts or actions that are enemies of God's will. As we honestly identify these, confess them to God, and accept responsibility for not dealing with them, God can give us the power to drive them out so that we can receive our full inheritance. So before I go on to summarize our reading from today, I wanted to talk about Caleb for a few minutes. Caleb was a man of wholehearted action. And had Caleb played football, he would have made a great fullback. Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, would have loved him. And the feeling would have been mutual. When Vince said success demands singleness of purpose, Caleb surely would have applauded. When the coach declared there's only one way to succeed at anything, and that is to give it everything, he would have stood up and shouted in agreement. Scripture repeatedly uses one word to describe Caleb, wholehearted. Caleb himself said that he strove to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And it was that single-minded, wholehearted, full-steam-ahead approach that made Caleb succeed when a whole generation of his peers failed. Caleb first comes to our attention as a 40-year-old spy. Moses picked Caleb, Joshua, and 10 others, one man for each of Israel's tribes, for a secret renaissance mission into Canaan. Their instructions See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Numbers chapter 13 verses 18 through 19. Several weeks later, the spies returned and described the land as a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Numbers chapter 13 verse 27. Yet ten of the spies, all except Caleb and Joshua, balked. They spoke of giant men and fearsome fortresses so deadly that the land would devour anyone who goes to live there. Numbers chapter 13 verse 32. Through their toxic influence, the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Numbers chapter 14 verse 1. Caleb and Joshua tore their clothes in vigorous protest and pleaded with the people to move forward in faith, but they couldn't turn the tide that day. The people even talked of executing them until God showed, until God himself showed up. Threatening to wipe out the entire nation because of their lack of faith, 
When Moses intervened, begging God to spare his people's lives, God rescinded the death penalty. But he promised that not one of the generation of Israelites that had left Egypt would ever set foot in the promised land, except Joshua and Caleb. And then he gave his view of Caleb. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Forty-five years later, it happened. Caleb said to Joshua, the new leader of the nation, Today I am eighty-five years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said, Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. And that's just what he did. An overpowering fullback, bowling over huge linemen like they were daisies. Lombardi would have cheered. So yesterday, the Israelites won a lot of wars and took a lot of land. So today, we open with a summary of what land they've acquired and unfamiliar boundaries that seem unimportant. However, they were deeply important to the people at the time, and these lists have served our faith historically and archaeologically. Hang in there during these dry spots. They serve a greater purpose than entertainment. The land they conquered when Moses was still alive is the area east of the Jordan River, where the two and a half Transjordan tribes live. Unfortunately, the Transjordan tribes didn't drive out all the people who lived there. We'll continue to see how this act of disobedience causes them trouble through the years. When we cross the Jordan River heading west into the Promised Land, we see the areas conquered by Joshua. After all this conquering, Joshua is pretty old, but God says he's not done with him. There's still more land to take, so he's not going to die yet. But God will do the heavy lifting for them and drive out the inhabitants himself. Then Joshua will give the land to the remaining nine and a half tribes. The final tribe, the Levites, have God himself as their inheritance and they'll be spread out to live among each of the tribes. Then we have an encounter with Caleb. He's the other spy who, along with Joshua, believed God 45 years earlier when they spied out the land. He's talking to Joshua about what they endured and what God promised them. He recalls following God in the face of fear, and he's ready to do it again. Even at the edge of 85, he wants to go fight against the Anakim, the giants in the land, and he succeeds with Joshua's blessing and God's direction. Judah is the largest tribe by far, so they get the largest plot of land, 
almost everything they get is dessert. But all the bright side, it edges in on Jerusalem. They also get the mineral rich soil of the Dead Sea. By the way, anytime the word Negev appears, it refers to the desert. Since Caleb is part of the tribe of Judah, this inheritance falls within their allotment. There's one plot of land promised to him that he asks for help with, and he promises that whoever conquers that city will get to marry his daughter. It probably would have been considered an honor to be the grand prize for the warrior who conquered the most difficult city in the land. His nephew, Othniel, conquers it, and Caleb and Caleb's daughter makes one request. Since her portion includes the desert, she also wants two springs of water, smart woman, and her dad gives them to her. Joshua 13.13 says, The Transjordan tribes did not drive out the people of the land, which suggests that they didn't even try. Then chapter 15 verse 63 says, But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, could not drive out, so the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Could not, meaning they tried and they failed. Why? If God was with them, why couldn't they just believe in themselves and make it happen? Why couldn't they recall God's promises to them and hold Him to His words? God will not be manipulated by our mantras. He made a very specific agreement with them about how the land would be taken, and it involves obedience. They can't just show up with their entitlement and expect God to give them what they want, even when it's what He promised them personally and directly. This unique relationship with their nation-state has with God means that they have to walk in accordance with the covenant they made. And it seems something is off here. Some sin keeps them from acquiring the land. Does that mean God failed them? No. The story isn't over yet. He's at work even in these so-called delays to shape their hearts, to do them good, to defeat their enemies despite their present failure. He's with them when they sin and fail. And He's with you when you sin and fail. Even in failure, trust can grow, faith can be strengthened, and joy can be found because He's where the joy is. Alright, I just want to leave you all off uh, once again with a daily devotional to take with you today. Follow me one step at a time. That is all I require of you. In fact, that is the only way to move through this space-time world. You see huge mountains looming, and you start wondering how you're going to scale those heights. Meanwhile, because you're not looking where you're going, you stumble on the easy path where I am leading you now. As I help you get back on your feet, you tell me how worried you are about the cliffs up ahead. But you don't know what will happen today, much less tomorrow. Our path may take an abrupt, abrupt turn, leading you away from those mountains. 
there may be an easier way up to the mountains than is visible from the distance. If I do lead you up the cliffs, I will equip you thoroughly for that strenuous climb. I will even give you my angels. I will even give my angels charge over you to preserve you in all your ways. Keep your mind on the present journey. Enjoy my presence. Walk by faith, not by sight. Trusting me to open up the way before you. Amen. Thank you all for tuning in today to this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all have a great day. And God bless each and every one of you.